0: There's value in diversity, period.
1: So you have race, ethnicity, gender, age, religion.
0: Think about diversity as strength.
1: Welcome to another episode of Voices of Diversity. So today we will be discussing diversity and professionalization. I'm your host, Gabriela Casares, postdoctoral scholar here at UCHRI. So Fatima, do you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about about Beyond the Tenure Track, or Beyond the Yes. T- Thank you so much
0: for the invitation. Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation today. So my name is Fatima Williams. I am the CEO and founder of Beyond the Tenure Track. And at Beyond the Tenure Track, we really work to prepare graduate students, postdocs, PhDs, with the information they need and the skills that they need to be able to transition from the academy to non-faculty careers. And so this, we do this through workshops, we do this through coaching, we also do this through program development with universities, so we work alongside universities to really help strengthen their grad professionalization programs. And then finally through books and workbooks um, that we have. So we've been doing this for quite some time and I'm really excited to be talking today because you know I work with, um, life Sciences, Biomedical Sciences, PhDs, as well as Social Sciences and Humanities, and there's a lot to be said about how we can work together to like prepare graduate students for an ever-changing and complex um, professional environment that um, master students and PhD students will be leaving once they leave the academy.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. So diversity and professionalization, it's, it's definitely a rich area of study, but nonetheless, an understudied field. How, how do you define diversity and professionalization? I mean, in part, you uh, began to speak to this in terms of your description of beyond the, the tenure. But um, what, what does that look like in terms of like being out in, in the field in terms of um, doctoral doctoral graduates, um, postdocs, PhDs, and how is this intimately connected to issues of equity and inclusion?
0: So one of the first things that comes to mind for diverse graduate students um, when it comes to professionalization is their There are are really two areas that kind of stand out the most in my work working directly with students and supporting students over the past several years. One being that students of color, so African American students, Latino students, and first generation students of color in particular, Um, are really trying to navigate a complex new world of graduate school, right? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be a graduate student? What are the kinds of relationships that you're developing with your mentors, with your department, with your program, doing research, um, if you've done research already, expanding and deepening your research, all of these new skills, but also the culture of academia. And so while students are really going through that complex period of learning um, how to manage and navigate a graduate career, they're also looking forward maybe not as much as we might like, but looking forward to what is this degree going to do in my life once I'm done? What will I be able to do professionally that I wasn't able to do before as a result of this degree? And for diverse students, and especially first generation diverse students, what ends up happening is there's an extra bit of weight Um, that they're carrying around, these degrees need to count. Um, Students tend to join doctoral programs and graduate programs for the love of the knowledge, for the information, for the love of the academy and learning. Um, but as you develop and go through a graduate program, you're also getting a little bit older um, if you've entered sort of straight from undergrad or with only a brief break between undergrad. And you're starting to see that, you know, this needs to count for me and my family and our sort of, um, you know, upward social mobility. And so I think it cannot be overstated how important that is for diverse students as well as other students who are going into a graduate program. The Academy has not done as well of a job to really truly face-to-face acknowledge that when students are in a graduate program, a four, five, six, seven year, I'm an anthropologist by training, it's a long time to get a graduate degree in anthropology. Programs that take a while, um, you know, it cannot be overstated that there is a level of sacrifice that goes along with being in a graduate program. Students are there by choice and by desire, but there's also potential earnings that they're not earning during that time. And if you come from first generation or you are of a series of first-level professionals in your family... um, your income, your salary matters as to um, being able to help you to build out a better life for yourself than maybe what you had um, growing up. And so I, when I'm working with graduate students, this looks like um, fear sometimes around when students confront this idea that I may not want to go into the academy, as I originally thought, or I thought the academy or faculty career was going to provide me with a certain level of stability, um, and I really want that financial stability and security, I was really looking for that. And so students are a bit jarred, um, especially when now perhaps they're having to plan for new ways of translating their skills and using their skills that are beyond Um, The professoriate or even within the professoriate and navigating the complex relationship building that's usually needed um, For advancement and the other things like publications and papers uh, and conferences that are also needed for advancement It's a complex terrain for everyone going through the process, but particularly for students of color and first-generation students um, There's another layer there and this is true for across the board sciences um, the life sciences, biomedical sciences, natural sciences, as well as for social sciences and humanities. There's, I don't see a difference uh, mm-hmm. in in those questions.
1: I think, well, several things came up as you were addressing that question, right? I mean, the importance of translating the skills. Um, and I think like, when I, I'm hearing you talk about like diversity professionalization, and obviously, um, there are a lot of the, the, the challenges that a lot of diverse uh, or underrepresented doctoral students um, face are similar to students who are not necessarily first generation based, but there are additional um, challenges. And I think that that i mean everyone would agree with that in terms of being underrepresented um and first generation and the reason i bring that up is in the context of like a lot of the times when we go into the academy i mean speaking as a first generation like underrepresented like, graduate we come into um a, a space where it's not necessarily constructed for us to be there um or necessarily like um, continue or be able to matriculate in that that space um, which I see kind of that model within uh, I, I kind of want to move away from the deficit framework and I want to kind of talk to you a little bit more about in terms of also like the social and different types of capital that diverse diverse students bring and how that relates to professionalization um, and, and specifically in terms of translating these different kind of skill sets as students are matriculating and going into positions that are not necessarily the, 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 the traditional ten year track model.
0: Yeah, so here's, here's the thing. And I, I look at this from also, you know, with my work in order for beyond the tenure track to be relevant to the academy, I'm always, you know, my team, we're always keeping a foot in industry. Um, and so I get to hear on the industry side, and by industry i I really do mean you know government um, federal government, state government, and uh nonprofit sector and business. I get to hear the conversations with employers and the needs that employers even have um, in terms of diversity and Here's how I'd answer you when I think about the the sort of extra touch and extra support and extra kind of insights that um Underrepresented minorities tend to bring into a professional space is really, truly a different perspective than what um, the majority of that workforce is thinking, um, doing, and how they're approaching things. So for me, the graduate student comes in with a few things that are that are really important. They come in with advanced knowledge um, and advanced skill set to really be able to manage large projects, large bits of information, distill that down into usable frameworks that can be turned into exciting things like products or solutions, um, you know, for a lot of challenges that industry, government, and and business are trying to face. But then we also have the component of being able to see that in an expert level way because of this doctoral training and master's level training, but also from the positionality of a different life experience, right? So if you're in a company that's majority, um, run, you want people who can think differently so you can solve problems in an innovative way. And so that's something that I see that, you know, not just being, um, you know, a, a PhD grad, but also a student uh, person of color also adds that level of, um, Just extra, extra support, and extra, and just a different eye um, to be able to approach common challenges that companies and businesses are trying to are trying to um, alleviate.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how does that, and I'm thinking too, like practically, like as um, students are preparing their their resumes and things like that, um, especially when it comes to diverse uh, um, students and um, putting yourself out there, how does that even translate, like in articulating that in a resume? I mean, which is, I mean, it'll look very different if you're coming from a science background, like humanities, social sciences, but I'm just thinking about like, I mean, practically translating that, like what would that kind of look like? so some concrete
0: things that can be done and um you know whether you're in an interview space or even in a cover letter i don't think that you necessarily have to highlight that your perspective comes from being a person of color But um, you might point to the specific experience that where you have in the past used uh, a unique insight based on whether it's knowledge that you have, experience that you have, um, or work that you've done to really show where you have in the past uh, been able to bring in a different approach and what the result of that approach has been. right, so you may be in a research, um, you may be looking at your research and you're working with a faculty member or you know collaborating with a team and the team sees something but you see something different because of either experiential knowledge or um, you know kind of knowledge that you've learned in the classroom or through your education being able to share what you've added and then what the result was overall so did it help you to process data a different way did it help you to find Um, come up with findings that maybe would not have been found or would not have been approached in that particular way? Did it change the research design? Um, Did it lead to being able to have more research subjects as a part of your study? So things like that, thinking about what are some of the results that have come out of where you've been able to use your perspective and your insights in the past, wherever Mm -hmm. those insights come from or wherever that expertise comes from.
1: So distinctly coming from like a value added like perspective given the experiential and the doctoral training um, so one of the things that really fascinated me about you and and beyond the tenure track is the fact that it's it's such a robust like practical um, uh, uh, framework um, in terms of outreaching and really being very strategic in terms of um, what what the value is to the PhD and how that translates to multiple sectors. Um, And when I see that too, I also think about what the role is of universities um, and colleges in terms of addressing um, the distinct challenges that are linked to diversity and professionalization, especially because underrepresented doctoral students and faculty, it's, it's a very small number, right? Um, but again, that this area is very, very critical. What do you, what do you think is the role of universities and colleges in terms of building the kind of in some type of infrastructure so that these particular needs around diversity and, uh, Um, professionalization can be addressed. And especially because you have so many years of experience in this field. um, I also wanted to do the follow-up question in terms of how have you seen this change over the years? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll start with the second one, because I think the, you know, I've, what I've seen change is, there's universities are a bit more willing to acknowledge that overall with preparing graduate students for professional life after the graduate degree, that they've not done a great job. Um, graduate schools are, have been held to the fire to be able to produce a different kind of results for students who are investing a lot of time Energy, resources, money into receiving graduate degrees, and I don't mean to suggest that a graduate degree is like a vocational degree, um, but I think that's been some of the question: is how do we talk about and how do we frame the the PhD in particular in a way that it still is about knowledge production, um, you know, refining of ideas that will help us to better understand the world around us, whether that's the social world, the um, political world, the natural world, whatever field you're in. Um, but the challenge that universities have had to overcome, and I think increasingly are doing so, is how do we prepare? graduate students to be able to lead wherever their degrees may take them and wherever their choice may take them. So if they're not in a faculty position, if they're not going to be a postdoc or faculty member after graduation, what gets done? And before you used to hear more about mentoring programs and, you know, or mentorship in general. Um, Mentorship has tended to mean, how do I help my graduate student become a faculty member? How do I help you to publish a paper, um, write your first abstract, deliver your first conference paper, maybe put you on as a co-author, help you to shepherd your dissertation to a book or to published articles. But there was not the same consideration to, how do I help you to understand what you know in a broader context um, that, is valuable to you and valuable to the rest of the world um even beyond being able to um, produce knowledge and and that knowledge be directly translated into um you know academic um, academic artifacts if you will like books articles classes um, so that's what i've I've seen m- the conversation broadened a bit from mentorship alone or mentoring alone to really being able to open up to say we must begin to prepare our students not just to be future faculty, but also to be future professionals. And so, from the standpoint of beyond the tenure track, you know, I started this company because I truly care about what happens to graduate students, and I don't think anyone would say they don't care. But because I sit outside of a university as an independent company um, with the knowledge base and information on both sides of industry, um, Mm -hmm. career development, professional development, um, and also from internally within the academy, I get to say things that the academy is not ready to say yet. I get to help in ways that the academy has not been as um, quick to respond to. So there is, I don't have any reservations about saying, I want you to finish your degree, I want you to finish on time, but I also wanna make sure that you know how to support yourself and your family after that degree is done and that you actually enjoy the work that you're doing. And for me, I have no investment in whether that is as a faculty member or as a nonprofit manager or whatever, choose your career, entrepreneurship, whatever it is. And the university though tends to have the investment in the graduate student becoming a faculty member. Because I am overall and beyond the tenure track is overall invested in your success and truly in your joy and being able to translate what you know and know how to do and how you want to work and use that skill set and that passion into actually creating a life for yourself and having the impact that you want in your career, I get to tell you what it is and how to do it without reservation. Um, And so I think that's why we continue to be a resource um, for individuals as well as for universities, because as universities now are are really in larger numbers starting to have to face this issue, they're finding that they're behind, right? They're behind. And what I'll tell you, this is one of my biggest pet peeves when you're behind the best way to catch up is to go to someone who knows what you don't know. Exactly. And unfortunately, a lot of what we do in the academy, or a lot of what the academy does, is tries to create from scratch the solution. Why would you do that? We don't do that as researchers. And what that translates into is graduate professional development offices, or office of professional development, and even career services sometimes, really starting almost from zero, um, doing a lot of ground research to try to build a program when there's already supports and existing models um, that are out there to help you get up to speed quicker, stronger, and really more resource so that you can support your students on a tighter timeframe. The way I put it to universities is this way. The longer you take to sit and figure out core things like what professional development competencies are and what employers need to see in their top um, candidates, the longer you take to figure all that stuff out, the more students you have who don't know how to get into a career when they're done. And that truly translates out to, into reports that we see around underemployment and unemployment of PhDs and masters students. That is unacceptable. It is no one No one should go through a graduate program, especially if you put in energy and effort and you didn't just coast by. No one should go through a program and at the end feel like they are left and like they don't know what their options are that is unacceptable and that's the stance that we take at beyond the tenure track and that's how we look to support students and universities that are willing and ready to say we want to do this we're open to doing something new and we're open to supporting our students the best ways possible and the most affordable kind of resource um
1: you know ways that we can Mm -hmm. so partnerships is is are very much key, and I think as I'm hearing you speak, I was going to ask you a question that you have since addressed. So I had a colleague come into my office the other day, um, and I was telling her about uh, our interview and d- the topic of diversity and professionalization. And she revealed to me how she was about to become the director of graduate studies for the doctoral program in her department, and she is very much definitely on board and in, in recognizing the fact that one, there aren't enough tenure track positions for for all students; um, two, um, the fact that she's happy and willing to help it's like but recognizing that she has limitations she goes uh and and it's partly the training right i mean it's about being in the university model right i mean and it's Mm -hmm. it's one of it it speaks more to um a, a system that's not um that at full capacity to to address um, the the issues here at UCHRI. We have humanists at work, right, Um, which is, I would say, still relatively new. It started in 2014, 2015, um, and there's definitely a conversation across the UC system around this critical topic. Um, and one of the things that I also wanted to, to ask you about, um, and it's something that came up in a previous conversation we had, and I kind of want to bring it up here because you noted how you came from an East Coast perspective and that it, it was very distinct. And I was just curious if you could talk a little bit more about that. Um, Cause I wanted to, to kind of like get the, the lay of the land in terms of how you're seeing kind of East Coast maybe versus West, West Coast, Midwest. kinda um,
0: so I, I'm not sure that the work itself um, is impacted by like the, how we approach our work at beyond the tenure track mm-hmm. is impacted by, by region, but where region becomes important is um, designing out programs, whether I'm working with a university and trying to help them structure their graduate professional development program or career services program, um, really being able to tap into regional Um, partners or regional and by partners I truly mean employers that can either um, you know be pipelines for your students or just even exposure for your students so really understanding um, what industries are most um, prevalent in your area, um, so that we build out with a knowledge of what your not just your university assets are, but assets in the region, um, employers, and just even. And so I'm saying employers, but let's let's use different language to say this: nonprofit organizations that will be the ones your students are going to. an internship or for an externship or a job um, once they're done Um, you know companies that are in the region so really being able to look at what assets are available um, in the region so that we can work from that as well and bring in those components but um, it, it, that's the, the only real space that I see region matter. Because as a company, we work with universities across the country. Um, so, you know, the model is one that is, that's flexible wherever you are. But I'm always taking into account, even for the student who's looking for work or thinking about what their options are, always asking them kind of where do they see themselves geographically? Is it within the U S if so, where is it internationally? If so, getting a sense of how that affects um, how you want to build your skills and also how you want to build your professional networks. Mm -hmm. So those are the places where region um, tends to matter and tends to enter our work.
1: Mm-hmm. So, throughout your career, you've worked with many, many institutions throughout the United States. So, um, based on that, what's the best twenty-first century model you've encountered in terms of diversity and professionalization, and why or how so?
0: You know, this this is an interesting uh,
1: question. Hmm. Or maybe it could be not necessarily just the institutions, but the specific kind of like the model or the factors, um, the partnerships, um, or the, the maybe the initial infrastructure or some of the components of the infrastructure that kind of speak to um, kind of the, the cre- in the process of creating kind of the, the best 21st century model.
0: So I'll give you an example of a couple models that are out there. There's two examples that come to mind that I really um enjoy so one model is one of my the partners i've worked with them uh, a couple years in a row it's uh for life sciences and biomedical sciences phds it's called um it's at rutgers university it's called ijobs and it's basically um i think it's either and i i think it's nsf funded nsf funded program that really looks to expose graduate students and postdoctoral scholars to their skill set and also to industry. And they do this in a number of ways. Um, And I think it's the way that they do it and the way they've designed their program that for me is really interesting. Um, It has this component of practice um, so being able to exposure and practice um, and exposure to industry. So through short term kind of uh, um, opportunities for either students to do site visits or to tee them up for internships um, at industry uh, locations within the New Jersey region because New Rutgers is in New Jersey. Um, so it has that element of exposure, um, supporting students in their skills building. And it also has a training component. And this is what we were brought in to help Rutgers I Jobs with, was the training component around how to translate out your skills, how to prepare for a professional work environment, and workplace, how to prepare right now while you're in graduate school so that you're ready um, to, to manage professional life and also ready for everything that a professional job search entails. So that's one program that I like the components that they have. The other program um, and I am her name is, is is just escaping me right now, but um, through the Mellon Foundation, um, their connected academics program is one that I really like as a model in the humanities. Um, I think they did a really great job of having cohorts um, that allow students to come together in a safe space to talk about non-academic careers, non-faculty careers, and not just talk about it, but receive real tangible, um, you know, information um, about what their skill sets are, about the work environment. They did a, a nice balance of inviting nonprofit organizations, cultural institutions, Um, government organizations that would be relevant for humanities PhDs um, and social science, kind of more humanistic social sciences um, PhDs, really bringing in those models and then getting those students out into the community. And that for me is the key for any program that is being developed is it needs to have a level of innovation to it. So not just, you know, sitting in a classroom, the delivery model needs to be different. It needs to be more engaging. It needs to be hands-on and that's that's kind of how we design at beyond the tenure track as well when we're working with schools is I don't want to deliver a workshop alone your students should come away from these workshops with tangible things that they can now move forward um, in their professional development and so those two models of the Rutgers I jobs program and then um, connected academics those two are, are ones that I really like, and then on the other side of it, um, this is a different kind of model, but the National Center for Faculty Development and Diversity um, is, I, I think it's just, it's an amazing place. It's gotten a lot of results for um, people of color, graduate students and faculty of color, that tends to be on the professionalization side for faculty development, um, which is quite valuable. Mm-hmm. That's not work that we focus on at Beyond the Tenure Track, but as a model of preparing um, you know, first generation, underrepresented minorities, diverse faculty members, and diverse PhDs for the faculty career, um, NCFDD is a great model for that.
1: Mm-hmm. So connected academics, I'm, I'm actually happy that you bring that up because that's we're part of that. I'm um, partnership with ASU and Georgetown and UCHRI. Um, was specifically focused on um, on the humanities and I mean I I would be curious to look at more of the, the NSF program Obviously, it's a different model than the humanities um, And NCFDD is definitely very admirable in the context of faculty professionalization um, And something that I, I've, I've looked at kind of extensively before um, As well, and I think these are very strong uh, Models for a lot of reasons you've already kind of brought up um, and What um, I think, in the interest of time, we're definitely coming close to kind of our at the end of our interview. But I wanted to ask if you had anything more to add. You know, when I was thinking about this conversation, Gabriella,
0: one of the and throughout, one of the key things that I would say we often I see that graduate students miss, um, and particularly students of color tend to miss, is. I think there's maybe been a little bit of a shift here, but there's a lot, there can be a moment where there's a disillusionment with the value of the PhD. Yes. Um, And listen, I think there's a moment where every PhD kind of goes through, is this worth it? Is this is a lot of really hard work. I don't think the the value question is necessarily related to the hard work question because anyone who's doing a PhD is ready for the work. Um, But the space of disillusionment Um, can often send PhDs into a spiral of am I good enough, is this um, work, you know, am I good enough, am I taking on too much, imposter syndrome, all of these challenges. And while we're spiraling out in terms of can I do this, do I want to continue to do this, What, what often I find students are taking their eye off the ball is how do I prepare myself for professional life after graduation period Mm -hmm. and by professional life notice I'm not saying faculty or other if you are not whether you are a faculty member or not whether that is your goal or not you have to prepare to make that transition um, to not be a student anymore and the the PhD takes so much time. It takes so much effort and energy that we can take our eye off the ball of how do I prepare myself to be the top candidate um, for any kind of career I want to go into. How do I prepare myself for that? And so when we lose the the eye on how do I prepare myself for life after the phd and being able to support myself and have a great career after the phd it shows up in underemployment and unemployment and that's a that is a non-starter that is and i'm i say this with a lot of energy because i've worked with people who are at what feels like the end of their rope because they've gotten through a program, maybe they've even already graduated and don't see an option in sight and they don't know how to translate their skills, but now they're doing it in a place of scarcity and fear because they're no longer in a university environment. So they don't have sort of a covering while they're trying to figure it out. They need to be making money and they need to be making a salary and a professional salary. And I, I just cannot express enough how difficult it is to do that under that kind of pressure.
1: Yeah and I think it's very indicative of how urgent these issues are today Um, as our PhDs, as we continue to graduate more PhD cohorts, right? Diversity and professionalization is absolutely fundamental no no matter what department or field you're in. It's something that universities, colleges have to be held more accountable for. It can't just be um, the the students, it has to be a much, much larger, and as you mentioned, collaborative um, venture and conversation in order to truly continue to create change.
0: I think you just punctuated it. Um, The one piece I would add to that is, because I know how universities move and how Mm -hmm. slow they move, as well-intentioned as they are um, around this issue, The university itself has the luxury of time. Mm -hmm. The university itself has the luxury of waiting a whole academic year just to have discussions about this topic. Discussions are great. They're going to lead to culture change eventually. In the meantime, the student who's listening to this, you don't have that luxury of time. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say it. Um, The luxury you have is that you are actually, if you're a student or a postdoc, there's resources available to you to get the answer, even if you feel like your university hasn't quite pieced together and created a a more, um, you know, kind of streamlined solution to help you with professionalization and um, really strengthening your profile as a professional for faculty or non-faculty careers. At the end of the day, you are responsible for yourself. And so while the university is trying to figure it out and figure out the best ways to be a resource, keep your eye on the ball.
1: Thank you so much for that Fatima.
0: You're very welcome.